Blog Talk Radio. internationally for Dorothy Morrison. All right. Without further ado. <laughs> Perfect timing, Talison. What is happening? Hey, 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 everybody. How's it going, mesdames and messieurs? Hello, campers. What a month it's been, huh? <laughs> yeah. But before you launch oh. into that, Talison, give folks an yes. update on your stuff, and then we'll launch. Well, well, there's lots and lots going on on uh, the book front. I have gotten the first version of the front cover of book two of the Sorceress Saga. Uh, the novel is called The Witch. It is coming out next month. Uh, and the character of Raina, named after our own Raina Starr, is going to be on the front cover. And I've already, I've already seen an early version, and ooh, it's cool. It's very cool, very okay. witchy. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, cool. and so that, that is going on there. I am currently working on a story called A Candle for Imbolg, which is going to be part of a collection of pagan holiday stories that, I'm, that is looking to be published uh, at the end of this year by a publisher that as soon as we actually get a deal on paper, I'll tell you who they are. But uh, I'm talking with them right. right now, and I'm working with them. I'm working with them on, you know, putting this whole thing together. It's going to be a story cycle that follows a family uh, through not only all eight holidays, but through all of the of the teen years of the young uh, girls' lives in the story. Anybody who's read my story, a, a, a solstice gift uh, that I wrote about 15 uh-huh. years ago, will know these characters. Yeah. And I follow these characters all the way until the kids who are like 11 in the first story are like 18 and 19 in the last story. And you know, heading off uh, into the world uh, to, you know, make their way. Now, I warn folks right now, if you hear a lot of noise, if you hear people talking in the background, if you hear banging, if you hear trucks, I am currently at my mom's house. We are, we've hired a couple of people to help move the fuck ton of boxes that I packed over the last couple of months into a storage unit. So if you hear any banging in the background, 
don't worry, it's not the next horde coming from Capitol Hill. It's just the movers. So. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And you know, and you know that the thing is, you know, thinking about you know moving, you know, moving into the events of this past week. It's you know, it's it's just surreal. You just cannot anticipate this kind of thing. You cannot plan for this kind of thing. There's just no way. I mean, everybody, a lot of people knew it was coming. There was a lot, uh, Representative Adam Kitzinger, a Republican, uh, was on Stephen Colbert's show. That actually, his segment was taped while he was locked in his office, hiding from the mob. Wow. And he mentioned that he had a feeling something like this was going to happen on that day, so he told his staff not to come in on Wednesday. He came in by himself Smart. to deal with the special session. Um, so a lot of people could see this coming. It was, you know... Uh, but, you know, is it surprising? No, it's not surprising. We've been leading up to this moment for four years. Um, mm-hmm. But, oh, my goodness, I don't know if anybody, uh, I don't know if anybody out there watched Stephen Colbert on Wednesday night. But I have rarely seen Stephen Colbert that pissed. I mean, literally, he was just spitting his monologue out like you wouldn't believe. Um, it was just, again, wow. it was just, it was just, it was surreal. Um you know, just you know, just seeing everything that's going on, seeing how everything's starting to fall apart on so many levels. I mean, here's a little bit of comedy. It's pathetic and sad comedy, but it's comedy to help, you know, with so much intensity that we've had over the last week. Um, this is a little story known as how Donald Trump spent Friday night, last night. Because, you know, as okay. we all know, he has been, he has been banned from Twitter uh, permanently. Yes. His account's been permanently suspended. Uh, and so last night he hops on the Trump campaign Twitter to start tweeting, and they shut that account down permanently. Uh, then he goes to the at POTUS account. They don't close the account uh-huh. down, but they delete everything that he that he posts within minutes. Then he tries to go uh-huh. to the uh, Trump campaign's digital coordinator, gets his phone, changes that guy's name to Donald Trump, and starts yeah. tweeting and Twitter bans that account permanently. So he literally spent all night trying to get onto Twitter and failing miserably. So that's just, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, I'm just wondering if he's going through password retrieval to open up his old MySpace account. I think that would be the next, the next step here. But I thought, I mean, that's all you I can't go on. Well, it's like, you know, when you've been banned from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and now Parler has been taken off of both the Google Play Store, and they got a 24-hour notice from Apple to improve their moderation, or it would be taken down. And you know that's not going to happen because the whole reason people want to be on the app is because there's no moderation. So if they did that, they'd pretty much be, you know, condemning themselves to complete irrelevancy. So that's going to be coming down off of Apple as well. Um, the guy who had his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, he's been arrested um, the guy who yeah. was carrying the lectern around, he has just been arrested. Um, yeah. There was another guy who was, there was another guy who, get this, again, you know, when you're not dealing with the sharpest sticks in the box, he wore his work sweatshirt to the protest and broke into the Capitol. Uh, so, yeah, so literally somebody took a screen capture of one of the photos, sent it to this business, which you could Google, it is the 21st century after all. Uh, and send it to them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we know that guy. He's fired now." So it's and that's happening right, right. now. Um, so it's just and the thing too that we're seeing now, 
is we've seen the beginning of, well, it's not the beginning of the end, but the fractures are starting to show within the Republican Party um, because everybody's sure. scrambling now. Now that, now that Donald Trump's coup attempt failed, and it was a coup attempt, yeah. and it did fail, now you've got Ted Cruz trying to backtrack on everything and looking even more mealy-mouthed and weaselly than he did before, which I didn't think was possible. Um, Me neither. That Josh Hartley... The other, uh, the, the, the Josh Hartley, that senator, uh, his uh, mentor, uh, whose name escapes me, but a legendary Republican politician just came out and issued a statement wish, wishing that he had never met the man and that he had never helped him get involved in politics. Um, the thing is, now, see, now that the Trump wing is kind of imploding in craziness, the corporate wing is going to want to start reasserting control. I'm already seeing whispers about this in what I call the centrist sphere, the, the, the uh, centrist sphere, uh, where like a bunch mm-hmm. of the centrists in both parties kind of, these informal networks of people like chatting back and forth. Um, the, the, the business types, the corporate type Republicans are talking about finally being able to get their party back. The problem is, is that they've lost so many of the suburban Republicans over the past four years. Uh, It was a steady bleed, especially in the suburbs. Uh, The fact that, you know, Donald Trump won with like white men by a ridiculous margin that was cut in half. When you're even losing white men, you know you're screwed. The thing is, is that the Republican Party cannot do without the rabid Trump base because they're, for a party that seems so monolithic in places like Alabama, Louisiana, those kind of places, their margins are actually very slim. And a lot of their margins are achieved by voter suppression more than anything else. If they lose any, and they pretty much maximized their voter suppression efforts. Now people like Stacey Abrams are unraveling these things and showing other states how it's done, as she's doing it in Georgia. Uh, So really they've done as far on the suppression angle as they could hope to do without serious blowback. And if they lose anybody and anybody at all, if that rabid Trump base decides, and let's tell you, the people who are in the Capitol building chanting, hang Mike Pence, uh, certainly don't seem to be enamored with mainstream Republican politics anymore. If the party loses too many of these people, even though they're batshit crazy, it's still electoral suicide for them. Because, I mean, already, you know, I mean, states like Texas, are going to come into play now that Georgia has fallen. And that's another thing that people lost track of this week with all the craziness at the Capitol. We fucking won the Senate. We fucking did it. We, we, we won two special elections in Georgia. Okay? I know. Now, granted, yeah. it wasn't a landslide, but a win is a win. And we've lost some, some razor-thin margins in Georgia over the last few years. So to see it starting no to tip the other way is just incredible. Yeah. And now, I mean, Georgia yeah. can be considered a true swing state now because they went completely yes. blue in the 2020 election, president, both senators. Um, and, yep. and, and watch. And really, personally, I think that if the Democrats were smart, they would beg and plead and offer Stacey Abrams the world if she would become the chairman of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Agreed. Let's get Let's get Stacey Abrams type of voter drives happening across the country. And let's go back to a real 50 state strategy. I mean, Georgia, the state that General Sherman burned during the Confederacy, uh, has just elected a black 
just elected a black reverend and a young Jewish guy to the Senate. So <laughs> there is no, these are not red states. These states in the South are not red states. They're suppressed states. They're states where the real yeah. majority, especially in the urban areas, which is where the most of the population is happening in these states these days, the majority of people are in fact quite liberal. They're quite blue. They're very democratic. They may not be the same brand of liberal that you're going to find in New Hampshire or Massachusetts, but they're still definitely, they're still definitely liberal. They're still definitely into, you know, making sure rich people pay taxes and all that kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, they're really, I mean, I really see possibly by the time 2028 rolls around, um, we could really be seeing a situation where the only states that could be considered safe for Republicans are like Louisiana and Mississippi. I think they'll be the last holdouts. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, Georgia's fallen. I mean, Alabama is in the crosshairs. Texas is in the crosshairs. Uh, Arizona yeah. uh, voted blue this time. I mean, just, you know, again, it's like, you know, do not, you know, the people who are saying, oh, can't we just let the South go and all that, we cannot abandon these states. These states have a lot of people, no. a lot of good people who need to have a decent government and not live in a third world country. So that's, you know, and that's the kind of thing I'm seeing right here. You know, the entire Trump thing is ending with wines and bangs and, you know, the, the, their attempt at a big national uprising uh, wound up looking more like the crowd of people who are waiting in line to see Basic Instinct 2. Okay, let's just put it that way. Um, and yeah, but by the same you know, but by the same token, there were four deaths the other day. There were five. And there were five. five. Actually, five Excuse because me, five. yeah, I the, did not the, know the, about that. Okay. Yeah, there were four of the people, four of the terrorists wound up getting killed, and one Capitol police officer who was hit by one of the terrorists in the head with a uh, fire extinguisher wound up succumbing to his injuries yesterday. So that, uh, and that right there, man, you want to talk about what that's going to set off. That has the potential. I mean, all, we, we know that a lot of white supremacist organizations uh, infiltrated police departments a long time ago. They started doing it in the 70s and 80s. And there's a lot, and there's a lot to root out. But the fact of the matter is, is that now you see the Proud Boys and local police at various places clashing. Um, the, you know, yeah. the people carrying the Blue Lives Matter flag wound up killing a cop. And you know, the police culture in this country demands that when a cop falls in duty, that there has to be retribution. So what happens when the embedded white nationalists in police departments start to run into a wall? Of people who, you know, they, they, the other cops, they may be racist, but they're more passive racist. They're not like the, the, the shock troopers types that, you know, they're not the Aryan nation types. And they're the ones who are going to want to have some payback for this cop getting killed. You see the white nationalists yeah. and, the, and the non-white nationalists in police departments, especially the police union, start to fight each other. And uh, it's going yeah. to wind up, you know, it, it's going to be, well, the thing that would happen, it would be, not good. It would be uh, violent, chaotic, but it would really make the white nationalists show who they were, so they could be rooted out easier. Uh, one thing that you yeah. can bet is sh- one thing that you can bet to be sure is going to happen is that the Merrick Garland Justice Department, and because we won the fucking Senate, Joe Joe gets all of his cabinet. Joe gets his cabinet picks, including Merrick Garland, uh, for 
attorney general. And there's already talk mm-hmm. that the uh, Justice Department is going to put together a special task force to go after every single person who breached the Capitol on Wednesday uh, to go through every single frame of video, every single social media post, everything, and to make mm-hmm. sure that everybody is caught and brought to justice. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there, 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 there's, there's definitely going to be things moving, happening here. Um, and that's like I said, you know, the, the, it's, it could be a dangerous time, but I'll tell you, the people to really be worried about is any friend, if you guys out there have any friends who are Republican, who are maybe on the more moderate side, uh, at least they're not batshit crazy, um, they are actually going to be in the most danger from the Trump crazies. Because as much as the mm-hmm. Trump crazies hate liberals, they hate Republican establishment types even more because they consider them to be the worst kind. They consider them to be, you know, traitors to their cause and that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, so I really think, right. I think that the first time that you see like, you know, houses getting shot at is probably going to be Republican campaign officials, to tell you the truth. Um, and, you know, and, and that's going to, again, that's going to make the party dissolve into squabbling. And there's a, and, and there's some stuff going on here. I kind of let on to you a little bit before uh, the show, when we were talking before the show went live, uh, there are things going yeah. on here that could wind up radically realigning our culture, our economy, uh, in a lot of in a lot of good ways. And really, what it comes right down to is the one thing that the United States has not done that just about every developed country in the world has done during the pandemic. Every other country you look at, Canada, England, Sweden, Germany, everywhere, they are paying people, they are paying their citizens every single month to basically stay home, especially the people out of jobs, but they're giving that money to everybody. Uh, and to, you know, mm-hmm. basically to keep things, to keep the economy from collapsing until we can get past the pandemic. And the U.S. hasn't done that. There was that one $1,200 payment last year, that one $600 mm-hmm. payment that just hit uh, recently. Um, but yeah. the thing is, is that part of Joe Biden's Build Back Better program is financial relief to citizens as well as small businesses and to the states to help with the financial impact of COVID uh, until we can get past the pandemic and start to patch the economy back together. Um, and, right. you know, and the thing and there's talk now about doing another COVID relief package right away, but it's not going to be the idea of like, well, we'll give everybody 1400 so it brings them up to 2000 Now the talk is just going straight to $2,000 for everyone in another relief package that could wind up getting passed uh, basically this month. Uh, the first week hmm. after Joe takes office, they're going, to start putting, they're going to start just passing a lot of stuff. And there are, are plenty of Republicans that are on board with a $2,000 relief package. That's the reason why Mitch McConnell wouldn't let it come to the floor, because if he had let it come to the Senate floor, it would have passed. And, you know, you couldn't right. do that. Um, of course, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, he's, he, he, he's, he's having that 2020 experience. He just got demoted in his job. But anyway, I digress. Right. Um, turtle <laughs> tears are the most delicious. <laughs> but anyway. I know, and his wife resigned, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, the thing is, though, is that there is some talk, and there are a couple of guys 
I've been hearing this talk bubbling around in some of the networks that, you know, I'm a little privy to. And I heard a couple of guys on MSNBC yesterday kind of let something slip. These guys were both on Obama's Council of Economic Advisors. They both still advise. I can't remember their names. Uh, they, they were on uh, MSNBC. They were on Morning Joe yesterday, actually. Um, and they were talking about uh, they were talking about looking at things, you know, when everything gets in there and moving on trying to help the economy since, I mean, let's say, you know, most people wouldn't know, but over the past year, uh, we've had like eight straight months of job growth. And last month, though, we had uh, job shrinkage. We had 140,000 jobs lost. And a lot of people think that's just the beginning. The, the uh-huh. ridiculously the ridiculously uh, hard impact on uh, just the populace of the death toll from COVID-19 is really starting to hit the economy. And if you thought last month's job numbers were bad, this month's are going to make last month's probably look uh, sunny and rosy. So they're now talking about extending the Build Back Better program into 2022 or 23. And now there's some talk starting about setting up a series of automatic once a month, $2,000 payments until uh, the pandemic is declared over. Uh, the the, form, the mm-hmm. most likely form it would take would be a six-month bill uh, for six months of stimulus payments uh, that would – now, one camp says do six – you know, it's easier to get six months, pass that, and then we'll pass an extension. Another group, though, is a little mm-hmm. smarter. They're saying the bill they want to write is a six-month bill that gets an automatic six-month extension unless Congress passes another bill to stop it. Uh, because everybody knows that the right. one thing Congress loves to do is nothing. If they can sit back and uh-huh. let something happen that people like and they don't have to do anything to do it, they're really happy. Uh, so right. that would be the smartest thing to do. And the thing is, if they're starting to talk about extending things from 12, uh, from 20, I mean, that kind of plan would last 2021. If they're talking about extending right. them to 22 or 23, um, that's pretty major because uh, they're, the, thing, the thing that most people aren't thinking about with these kind of regular stimulus payments is that Americans are not Europeans. A lot of Europeans are just, you know, they're taking their monthly money, they're living their lives, they're, you know, they're just kind of doing things on an, on the, as they always do. But they're used to more disposable income than Americans. They're used to higher minimum wages. Uh, they're used to a lot more. I mean, I got to tell you that if, if that kind of a, a stimulus plan passed, my household would be making more money than we ever have, literally my parents' lifetime, my lifetime. And a lot of Americans, especially the broke ones, when they get money, they spend it. Uh, especially yeah. if they start having a lot of, if they start having enough money to the point where they can save and spend, the incredible thing is yeah. so many more people would have so much more buying power than they've ever had in their lives. The kind of stimulus it would give to the economy, that's not just a stimulus. That's a whole bottle of Viagra chased with a monster, okay? I mean, that's <laughs> like, that's, like, that's, that's, that's going to give the economy a raging boner to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if they do that for 12, 24, or heavens be willing, 36 months. By the time that's done, not only are people going to be used to having the money, the economy is going to be sizzling at such a rate, the rich people in this country are going to be making so much more money uh, because 
people are buying their shit that even the even the corporate types, especially the Waltons, the Walmarts, the Amazons, the the Targets, all of the big retailers, and who normally have a lot of pull in Republican circles because of what kind of fundraising machines these type of mercantile Republicans are. Um, they're not going to want it to stop. They're going to be like, you know, you're you're going to you're going to stop giving people this stimulus money when you pry it from my cold dead fingers because they're going to wind up having, you know, they're going to have quarterly earnings like you wouldn't believe. I mean, the thing is, Europe has a lot of rich people. There's plenty of rich people in Europe, and they are ridiculously rich. They are obscenely rich, but they understand things, that things like paying their fair share of taxes and paying their people a decent wage winds up benefiting them because then they get things like health care, so they don't have to pay it, buy it for their people. And then their, pe- then their employees actually have the money to buy the products that they're making or selling, kind of the old Henry Ford idea. If you make your workers able right. to afford the product they're buying, you're going to sell a shit ton more of these products. And American capitalism has kind of lost this idea. They've gotten into this hoarding yeah. mentality. Uh, but where the reality is, is if you can... If people have money to spend, they're going to spend it. If you're a business owner, if people have money to spend, they're going to spend it at your business. The CEO of Subway once said that the biggest thing standing in the way of his business doing a hell of a lot better than it is, is that his customers don't have enough money to buy as many Subway sandwiches as they would like. So if you give these people more money, he's going to make more money. That's why the CEO of Subway has been a big backer of a $15 an hour minimum wage. Yeah, he's going to be spending mm-hmm. more for his employees, but he's going to be making so much more money because everybody else's employees are going to be making more too. Um, and that's the kind of thing that we right. could see. If we, have a, if we have a regular stimulus payment that lasts anywhere from 12 to 36 months, the effect it's uh-huh. going to have on the economy is going to be as such that people are going to want it to stay around. Uh, and that, I don't have to tell you how that would completely and utterly transform the entire economy. Hell, it transformed the society. But I still still have to ask the question of where all the money is going to come from. Well, that's the thing to think of. Remember back when they were trying to goose the stock market, uh, they released $2 trillion into the stock market, and it disappeared in a half Uh hour. Do you have any idea how long $2 trillion could pay for a UBI for Americans? Somebody else break out the calculator, do the math. It, you know, it's early on a Saturday. I'm not doing math right now. But also you have gotcha. to understand, too, is that in this kind of a system, too, there are things that you don't have to have, such as a welfare system. Um, you don't well, have oh, to worry. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, a welfare, I mean, you don't need to, you know, if, if everybody has a basic income, you don't need to, you know, pay people money so they don't starve. You don't need things like food stamps. You could get rid of the entire modern welfare state with this kind of a, you know, this kind of a setup. And that right Right. there could also easily pay for a great deal of, uh, hey, honey, could you take this from me? This could also pay for a great deal of, you know, monthly income. I mean, there's a lot of, there's so much money wasted in bureaucracy, especially the bureaucracy yeah. post-welfare reform, because in the 90s, they added a lot of bureaucracy just to try. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. I just fell. 
uh, down the stairs. Are you okay? Um, I'll be okay. I'm just going to need to hand my daughter my phone so I can get up. Hold on. Live radio, folks. I don't think so. Anything can happen. Sal's going to be back with us shortly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, he just fell fell a little down the stairs. He'll be fine. Here. Take that. All right. So, I am here. Are you okay? I am here. I am okay. okay. I am okay. I will be okay. Uh, I was going down the steps to go into the garage to get out of people's way while they move a bunch of stuff, and I kind of fell on the last step because I wasn't carrying my cane like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go and sit in a car in the garage. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but, you know, that's the thing. I mean, when you think of how much money is spent, I mean – now, of course, it would have to be things like people currently getting Social Security now would continue to get Social Security under a UBI plan, but eventually right. UBI could replace – that could replace Social Security. It could replace welfare. It could replace so much that we spend billions of dollars on, and it would be far simpler program just to mail or just to electronically deposit money for every citizen every month. It would actually save money over the first five years, if you take a look at how much is spent on maintaining the bureaucracy. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Exactly. It's actually a better system to pay your citizens than it is to have programs like this. If everyone's just treated fairly to a certain extent, that it just, it just benefits everyone overall, which is was I, I thought was the point to begin with when you actually have a country, but we seem to have gotten so far away from, you know, capitalism really is a, I mean, I don't have a problem with capitalism. I have a problem with right. inappropriate capitalism. There's a big difference. Well, you have a problem with, with underregulated to, capitalism. That's the problem is underregulated. Right. I mean, capitalism. I mean, there's, again, you know, that's one of the things that globalism has brought to the U.S. is the realization that a lot of people in the rest of the world live a lot better than we do. Uh, and yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's just the realization that, uh, that their capitalism is more regulated. Their capitalism is more controlled. I mean, when France was trying to deal with their unemployment problem, uh, one of the things they did and other countries followed suit is they changed the full-time work week from five to four days. And right. that actually opened, that created new jobs at businesses that really didn't have to pay a whole lot more because they're still working the same hours, but they would wind up hiring more people and that helped take care of their unemployment pro- problem. The thing is, band-aids like that aren't going to work. The model that we've used for funding our society uh, forever since the dawn of capitalism is just not going to be sustainable due to automation. Um, the fact right. of the matter is, is that by the time my children might think of having children, by the time my grandchildren get to be teenagers, 75% of the jobs that were available to you and me when we were teenagers, they're not going to exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's going to happen. And it's not one of those things that like, well, if we stop, if we don't use the self-checkouts at supermarkets, then we can stop this automation from coming. No, you, you can slow it down. You're not going to stop it. Um, and right. people are saying, well, then, 
you know, then again, and they're saying, well, who's going to work in the fast food if everybody has universal basic income? Well, that's the thing. Fast food is going to be automated. Within the next 10 years, you're going to see very few people working at your average fast food restaurant. Uh, a lot of ones in Japan are already like this. The only reason that the U.S. hasn't done it yet is because the labor force is so cheap in this country, it hasn't been worth it uh, to owners to automate. But right. once people start, once we start passing real minimum wage laws to make sure that people don't have to worry about, you know, starving and homeless when they're working full time, uh, that's going to make the automation far more lucrative. Uh, and really, to tell you the truth, there, I mean, just think about this. Think about how much talent. Think about how many incredible books or songs that haven't been written. Uh, think about how many inventions that haven't been invented, things that could help our everyday lives, because the person who is going to invent these things or create these things is stuck working 40 to 50 hours a week at a minimum wage job just so they don't starve. Um, the right. transformation on society just to free people up would be tremendous. And, of course, you get the people with the old Puritan work ethic where if you're not slaving all the time, you're, you're obviously evil. They're like, well, what about the people who don't want to go out and make any more money? What are the pe about the people who are content to collect their $2,000 a month and sit at home and play Xbox? I say, well, you know what? That means that those people are making sure that $2,000 a month is going right back into the economy to make sure that everybody else who wants a job can have one. So, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, stickers are in the house. They're in the bay, I thought. Um, yes, I mean, so there's just, and the thing is, this could be the back door. And when people say, you know, people are going to let it happen, Republicans still have too much power. This is something I think will be, especially the, the corporate-type Republicans who are really looking to get back in the good graces of the people that they drove away by being so silent about Trump. Um, there was some uh -huh. polling done recently about the idea of some form of universal basic income. And, of course, 89% of Democrats love the idea. But the funny thing that I sure. thought was that somewhere, be, somewhere between 64 and 68% of Republicans liked the idea. Um, really? And, and you no, know, yeah, because usually universal basic income is pitched as a way of saying, well, how about if we give you universal basic income and we do away with the welfare state? You show me a Republican that wouldn't want to jump at that kind of an idea. You know, it's like we can get rid of the welfare state forever. Here you go. Uh, and so it, 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 I, I think this is something that could find a lot of bipartisan appeal. And like I said, the the the, the ability for you know. The, the transformation of the country is just incredible. Um, I can tell you what's going on too. That if they want to pass even just a six-month bill, uh, I think you know my wife. My wife is probably going to take a leave of absence from her job and work with me to really get our publishing uh, thing going with all of my books going. So uh, you know, and let me tell you, when when Willow starts working full time at promoting my writing, you guys are going to get sick of hearing about me because she's really good. So awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, you know, when you want to talk about when you want to talk about uh transformative things, uh let's, you know, let's talk about the way that the 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 Republican caucus right now is there's a lot of phone calls going on right now by the way. Uh Ben Sass mm -hmm. has come out in favor of impeachment. Yeah. Um yeah. But see that's the Ben Sass is one of those guys, though, that when he, you know, he, the people listen to him. 
And you've got Adam Kinsinger on the Republican side who's getting some incredibly good press. He is just completely done with Trump. He's the one guy in the House who has called not only on Donald Trump to resign, but also has called for there to be consequences for his fellow Republicans who took part in their attempt to uh, steal the election through objecting to the Electoral College. Uh, and there's a lot of arguing going on behind the scenes here right now. Um, and there, there are some people who are really, I, you know, there's a darn good chance that I think before the year is out, you're going to see Lindsey Graham retire. Um, I hope so, because be- I'll tell you, that is the one person who I don't care what he does or says, his tearful 11th hour confession about his great buddy, Joe Biden. I'm sorry. You are way too late with that, my friend. You need to lose exactly. your seat. You need to lose your power. And I think everybody like him needs to lose their power as well. But I also wanted to ask you, because of what happened the other day, you know, Trump yeah. came out and said, well, I won't be at the inauguration. My fear is that they are going to come back in droves and that they are going to come back well-armed. And that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, but the, here's a little thing, too, that I want people to remember, though, when we're looking at these types of situations. There was, there, there was one door that was standing in between four of the terrorists getting killed and 40, and that door was the door that Mike Pence was behind, where there was a full detail of something like six, seven, eight Secret Service guys with automatic weapons, not semi-automatic, fully automatic, things like Uzis, pointed at the door. And if anybody started banging on it like they are going to try to break in, they're going to open fire. And uh, you don't fuck with the Secret Service, okay? I mean, that's the thing. These, these dive store Rambos think that they have some buddies in the Capitol Police that are going to let them in, and they're going to be able to overwhelm the other guys, especially the, 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 the security guy who didn't have a gun, uh, who was running up the stairs in that video that we've all seen yes. of an angry mob of white yes. people chasing a black guy. Ooh, that's great optics in the 21st century. But, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's like these guys, these guys took on a, a understaffed force that was partially on their side. They haven't dealt with the Secret Service. I mean, the Secret Service, if you knew, every time a presidential motorcade goes with the president in the limousine, Two of the Suburbans that are following behind in the procession are filled with fully armored, fully body armored commandos with all kinds of weaponry that are ready to fan out. And they could take out a a force eight or nine times their size with the weaponry they have. The Secret Service does not Mm -hmm. fuck around when it comes to protective detail. And the inauguration... Outside, let me tell you, for one thing, the Secret Service is really happy for the pandemic because that means there won't be a parade. The parade is usually when most presidential candidates make your average Secret Service agent have their sphincter tightened up to the point where not even a diamond is going to get out of that thing because it's so hard (laughs) to secure a parade route, especially when you have these presidents. Ever since Jimmy Carter, you got these presidents who want to get out and walk part of the way back to the White House. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that always, right. that's a Maalox moment for those Secret Service guys. But uh, they're not having to worry about a parade, which means that the full force of the Secret Service is going to be free to basically provide security, along with the National Guard from D.C., which, by the way, 
when you know people are wondering why did Mike Pence call out the National Guard? What made him decide to do that? The fact that the the, the crowd that broke into the Capitol was chanting things like "Hang Mike Pence." That's what. That's why Mike Pence called the National Guard and told him to come out. Um, but you mm-hmm. not only have the 1,100 troops of the D.C. National Guard, you've also got troops on loan from the Delaware National Guard, uh, from PA, from New Jersey. Uh, just about every state in the area has said, oh, yeah, here you go, here you go, guys. Here's some National Guard troops to help secure things. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's actually going to look a lot more like an armed camp on Inauguration Day. The news is going to have a hard time framing shots that aren't going to get some kind of fence or fortification in it. So really, I mean, if the, you know, if the, if the, if the Trumpkins, the, the, the heavily armed ones, if they want to show up and try to do an assault against the Secret Service and National Guard of five states, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if they want to kill themselves, it'd be a lot quicker just to shoot themselves. It would use a lot less ammo, too. But I'm not terribly concerned about Inauguration Day. I, I spent I spent years studying the Secret Service alone, and the fact that the Secret Service has National Guard to back them up, it's not going to be an issue. The thing that's going to happen is going to be so funny is seeing Trump trying to sneak out of the White House before Joe Biden finishes taking the oath of office, uh, because there are rumors going around that um, New York and also the city of the District of Columbia want to arrest Donald Trump the moment he is out of office, the second. He's out of right. office. The city of D.C. wants to uh, arrest him for inciting a riot. Uh, but that's why Donald Trump is going to try to leave a day or two early before the 20th because he knows as soon as he's out of office, there's going to be indictments. So, um, yeah, and the, and the funny thing is, though, is that Donald Trump can't find anywhere to go. Mar-a-Lago doesn't want him. He's been banned from Scot- from uh, from the Scottish shores. Scotland. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's been he's been banned from Scotland. The only place where any of his golf courses is still making money. And he's not only banned from there, but he's probably going to lose that golf course this year because he's being served with uh, subpoenas from the Scottish government for their fraud investigation. And in Scotland, if you don't comply with subpoenas for documents, they will take your assets. And they've already said that they will take hmm. his golf course if he doesn't cough up right. the very documents that are probably going to cause them to take the golf course out of penalty for the outrageous fraud charges they're going to convict him on. Um, right. on. Here's another thing. Watch for everybody named Trump to be leaving the country. I mean, everybody in the Trump crime family. Melania is just going to divorce him and go back to Eastern Europe with her son. And I think he'll be a lot happier right. there. Because um, his dad won't take a picture next to him. Trump won't take a picture next to his own son because his son got taller than him and he can't handle being in a picture with someone who's taller than him. So, um, but uh, there's word that uh, Don Jr. is looking for a country and a lot of places are saying no. Uh, Ivanka, the only places that have said yes to her are like Kazakhstan and that kind of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just getting shut out. They're, they're, and because of all the travel restrictions, because of COVID anyway, they could have a very hard time leaving the country. And again, like I said, I have a feeling there's already going to be a couple of sealed indictments in New York State against the entire Trump organization. They've been working that up for a while. And about eight weeks ago, they got a huge dump of documents from Deutsche Bank, who is also looking to sever their financial ties with Donald Trump now. The only bank sure. that would loan him money is cutting him off. Yeah. Um, 
Right. There's words. Don't you that, think though that? Yeah. Don't, don't you think though that he? I mean, because my my thing now is with everybody now coming out against him, or at least the largest percentage of of lawmakers coming out against him finally. Right. Is that there is no sense in staying in the United States. Um, that late in the game, my my guess is that he will be, he will have tried to get into Russia by the end of next week. What do you think? He tried. Putin said no. That's what I'm hearing. What? Um, really? The, the word the, wow. the word on the the word on the on the on the grapevine is that uh, he tried. Putin said no because. Trump can't take documents with him, and Trump's too stupid to remember state secrets. So he'd be kind of useless to Putin. Um, he's hated in the U.S., so he's no good for propaganda. Um, and as a matter of fact, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but word is even that there were overtures made to North Korea, and they said no. So, um, wow. And North Korea said, wow. North Korea said, well, North Korea said no because China's going to decide, probably going to decide. You know all these patents they've been granting the Trump company over the last few years to get special favors and trade. Well, the yeah. word is that the Chinese yeah. government is going to charge Donald Trump with fraud and seize all of his Chinese patents and all of Ivanka's Chinese patents. That's probably what's going to happen this year in China. Um, so. If North Korea let him come there, then they'd probably wind up having to hand them over to China because China doesn't want Donald Trump to even, you know, have an, even have a, a, a shabby palace to hang out in. Um, as a matter of fact, um, China is, there's some word that China is going to back uh, Iran's uh, arrest, Interpol arrest warrant against Donald Trump anyway. So uh, that's... Mm. Oh, yeah, but but most of your European countries have decided that they will arrest Donald Trump and turn him over to Interpol to face the Iranian uh, warrant because he pardoned war criminals, which is against the Geneva Convention. Uh, So they would probably wind up piling on not only assassination, which is what the Iranians have charged him with, but then they would also wind up charging him with uh, aiding and abetting, uh, being an accessory after the fact to war crime. So that would that would give him, you know, a nice sell in the uh, in the Rudolph Hess suite, I think. But you know, uh, do you think his followers are going to eventually calm down, or are they going to look to replace him? And is it possible to replace a Trump with somebody similar? Because it seems like during the elections a couple of years ago, um, it was like the Trump magic, quote unquote, didn't extend to other people that he was. Promoting, so I mean, is it possible that it's just his cult of personality, or do you think the Republicans are going to look for the next Trump? I've got two words for you, Doug Jones. Now I know Doug Jones didn't win re-election to his Senate seat from Alabama in this last election. Right. We all expected that, but two years ago, mm-hmm. Donald Trump goes out and campaigns hard for Doug Jones. I mean, for the other guy. Uh, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. The, the pedophile guy. Uh, what's his name? Um, right. Yeah. Remember, Roy Moore. I don't know Roy, Roy Moore. Moore. Yeah. yeah, he was. He campaigned hard for Roy Moore. He told all his people, you got to come out. You got to vote for Roy Moore. And it failed. I mean, a Democrat won in fucking Alabama. 
um, which again was you know, in fact you saw that time and time again during the 2020 election there were multiple candidates who quite pointedly told the Trump campaign do not come out and campaign for us do not tweet about us just do not because he's been he's done more damage to candidates than good I mean he campaigned hard for the one senator out in Arizona who lost to Mark Kelly uh, it's like yeah, yeah I mean, Trump's people will show up to vote for him. They're not going to show up to vote for other people. I mean, look at the 2018 elections. They just didn't show up. Um, Now they're going to try to replace them, but the problem is with who? Because he was the center of the cult. There are some people who want to anoint Don Jr. uh, as the next heir apparent to the Trump movement. But Don Jr. has always been seen as kind of a wimp. The fact that his wife looks or his girlfriend uh, acts tougher than he does. His, his soon-to-be ex-girlfriend, because she's, she's uh, that Kinder, Kimberly Loudmouth, what's her name, uh, she uh, is Gilford. getting paid by the campaign to be Don Jr.'s girlfriend. Yeah. So now that the campaign's splitting oh. up, she's going to stop getting paid, and she's probably going to go on and find somebody else. So, you know, the, the woman wow. that he left his, the wife of his children for, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah there, there, there's nobody the, solid. I mean, now that Ted yeah, Cruz is back peddling on stuff and Josh Hawley, uh, nobody knows who the next person in the Trump movement would be. And the fact of the matter is, is that, I mean, there's a lot of people who are just, they're not going to come out and vote because Trump has convinced them that it's useless. You know, it's rigged. Your vote's not going to be counted. You know, it's, it's rigged and all that. I mean, the thing is, in Georgia, yes, our turnout was great. But the Republican turnout in northern Georgia was down. It was down 20% from the presidential election. And, and even though, you know, people say special election, it doesn't bring out as much, everybody knows that the reason why that it was down in northern Georgia was entirely because Trump spent the entire time between, no, between November and the special election convincing every single person who would listen to him, which are pretty much just the Republicans, that the whole thing was rigged yeah. and, you know, and, and all that stuff. So, of course, it's going to depress turnout. Uh, of course, it's going to depress yeah. turnout. I mean, you watch. You watch, uh, watch third-party groups to start running Trump, old Trump line saying it was rigged, it was rigged there up before the midterms, just to make sure that the Republicans aren't inspired to turn out there either. I mean, uh, you, you never know. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, the collapse is beginning. That's all. I mean, yeah, people say, how can you say that? Because you still had 47 million people, or 75 million people who voted for the guy and yada, yada, yada. Um, but a lot, of that, you know, a lot of Trump's margin was the fact that people who are reflexive party voters, they'll always vote Republican. They'll never believe anything bad about a Republican because they've been well inoculated against any real news source. Uh, but, you know, it, yeah. it's like th- there was a lot of knee-jerk voting going on there. But as the party collapses more and more, you're going to see people leave. Already, we've already seen the first Republican in the Senate. You know, we've got a 50-50 split with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker. We're going to pick up another senator. We're going to pick up another senator in the next month, and it's going to be Lisa Murkowski from Alaska. Uh, She's not my first choice. I'm not crazy about it. You know what? If she wants to vote for the Democratic agenda, if she wants to vote, for the things that the party is putting forward, not necessarily the most progressive stuff, but the basic stuff like minimum wage yeah. hike, 
infrastructure repair, yeah. renewable energy sources, that kind of stuff. If she's willing to vote for that stuff, she's about as liberal as we're going to get out of Alaska, folks. I'm just telling you that right now. Right. I know she, she's right. not tremendously liberal. She's kind of a weasel. She's flip-flop more time than a cheap stack of flapjacks. But she's about as liberal as we're going to get out of Alaska. And I'd rather have somebody who's going to vote for the Democratic agenda in there who's a mealy mouth than some Republican who's going to try to help Mitch McConnell stage his comeback, which also isn't going to work either. Uh, because after going along with Trump for so long, there's a lot of rumbling in the Republican caucus in the Senate right now. The fact that a lot of them went along with Trump for as long as they did only because Mitch McConnell asked them to. He's like, just right. be patient, you know. Just be patient. If we can get him reelected, we'll get four more years of judges and more tax cuts, and we can get rid of Roe. Uh-huh. We can, you know, and 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 he was he was holding that out to these guys, and they believed him. And now there's a lot of people in the Republican caucus who are like, it wasn't worth it, Mitch. It wasn't worth it. I mean, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Mitch McConnell announces uh, his retirement. He'll stay in there for a little while longer. He likes the perks. But if it gets too harsh, I'll, I could see him not running for re-election in six years. Uh, unfortunately, he just got re-elected, so he'd have to wait a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to run for re-election uh, in uh, 26. And as a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if since they have, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he wound up leaving early, just tell you the truth, especially if the Republicans – if the Republicans yeah, get spanked in you. the 2022, yeah, if the Republican Party, get, if, if the Democrats can pick up seats in 2022, which isn't supposed to happen since they control all branches of government and usually the party in control of the White House loses seats in midterm elections, but the, right. the Republican Party is going to be in tatters at that point. Uh, they'll, been, they'll be a constant war with each other for, the, for two years at that point. So if the Democrats hold or they gain seats, watch for Mitch McConnell to go ahead and retire. So we could be in our last two years of the reign of the turtle. I mean, the reign of the turtle is already over, but the state of the turtle on the Senate might have a couple more years, but I don't think he's going to serve out six years. Right. I don't think so either. He's also, I mean, not that he's got one foot under, but, you know, these are older folks, right? He's got to be well into his 70s by now or at least 70-something. You know, yeah, and now um, his, now his wife's now his wife's unemployed too. What if she wants to travel? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that he's caused enough damage, I think. And I agree with you know with the with the idea that you know they didn't get everything they said they thought they were going to get. They thought by this time, I'm sure, that Trump was going to be reelected and that they were going to have. Roe v. Wade overturned and that they were going to have all of their friends with a whole new set of breaks tax wise. And, you know, I I mean, I think they got a lot of what they wanted. They did get a lot of what they wanted to say. um, Even the Supreme court, you know, when push came to shove, as far as hearing the cases of voter fraud that they were uh, trying to purport um, they didn't want to listen to it. They're like, you don't have any evidence. We, there's no case right. here. Exactly. Haven't, you haven't given us anything. I mean, how? I mean, I know you can say whatever you want in this country to a certain extent, but you do right. have to have proof if you're going to. I mean, even shitty proof. They didn't even have shitty proof. They had nothing. 
Right. At all. No, they had not, you know? they they had what tr- they had what Trump has had for the last four years, where he just says whatever the fuck he wants, and he finds somebody to go, oh yeah, that's true. The thing he doesn't realize is that judges, they're he's like he talks about my judges. They're not your judges, even if you put them in there, even if they're not the most qualified person, they're still judges, and they still have a certain amount of, you know, there's you know there's. You didn't look hard enough to find Beavis and Butthead in a robe, which is what Donald Trump wanted. He wanted Beavis and Butthead in robes, and he wasn't going to get that. So, um, but yeah, it's pretty startling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Let let me tell you something, too. Um, I don't know what things are going to be like by the time uh, we talk next month, Um, but I have a feeling that people are going to be feeling a lot better. Uh, about things um it's going to be a rough time for covid but another thing that another thing that joe's going to do as soon as he gets in literally a day one thing is to not only do the defense production act for pbe but also to do it to expand vaccine uh production by 600 percent so that's you know there's a lot of plans coming up here yeah so i and to tell you the truth i should probably get back to helping with the whole moving thing here since i already did my pratfall uh I'm glad you're okay, but yes, I understand. And we're right. about to wrap up anyway because we've only got three minutes. So go ahead and tell folks oh, hey. how to find you, and we will go. Well, you can always go to Talison underscore G on Twitter, as well as uh, Talison G on Facebook, uh, Talison Govannon. If you see my logo, that's my fan page. And if you know, and if you and if you have anybody who really likes urban fantasy but they're not into politics, tell them to follow my fan page. Uh, my personal pages where I still do all my political stuff, but my fan pages where people can find out about books and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, and also talismang.com. I got to update it, but it's still around. And also I'm going to be sending you, Ms. Reina, here. Once I have the cover yeah. finalized, I'm going to give you a sneak peek. And maybe we can even yeah. give the good listeners, and maybe we can even give our fans on Facebook of Desperate House Witches a sneak peek of the upcoming cover as well once it's finished. Whatever you say, I'm here for it. I really appreciate you, Talison. Thank you okay. so, so much yes. for spending a little time with me on Saturday. Good luck with the move, and we will talk to you later. I will see everybody next time. Same bad time, same bad station. Bye. All right, everybody. I will see you back on Friday and Saturday. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.